Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Coral, Kelp, and Community. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with children's book author Nina, who combines her love of the ocean with art activism. I do see a surfboard behind you. Do you surf? Uh, yeah, I try. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm an amazing surfer, but um, it's one of these things. I used to swim since I've been five years old, so I've been a competitive swimmer. So it's one of these things, you know, you are so comfortable in water and you, you see something you love doing and you think it's easy. <laughs> so you're motivated. Buy yourself a surfboard and <laughs> then you try. <laughs> now I am I can get up and I can surf to the to the end of, of the beach, but I cannot take a wave and um uh. surfing is really hard. Um <laughs> it's like I I love surfing and it's been um a really interesting experience just like kind of constantly relearning it because i used to live in california which despite all of the beach boys songs like the surf isn't always good year round and it is not warm mm, no. you know like this is a huge misconception <laughs> no no i agree <laughs> um and then i moved to the pacific northwest where it is really really cold and so i've surfed off and on my whole life and always getting back into it is like, okay, like it's, 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 it's so much muscles and yeah, it's not as, it's not as easy as it looks, but when you do start catching waves, it's really phenomenal. Yeah, no, I love it. I, um, it's I, every time we are at the beach, I try it or I try um, body surfing or there's like this hand paddle now you can use as well, which then you can just jump in. It's, um, it's nice. quite cool. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did notice a huge difference. I don't know how warm it is where you surf, but I went to Costa Rica once and I went surfing there and my performance, boom, like so much better because I wasn't like tense and shivering and cold. No, it's okay here. It's between it's between 15 and 20 degrees. Um, so, I mean, it's okay. It was a warm wetsuit. You'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Oh, I see so much of your lovely art behind you too. Um, yeah, my studio. I'm trying. Yeah. Super. So you were always drawn to water. Were you always drawn to art? Yeah, kind of. Um, I think it's one of these things where um, you're good at something well, and then you kind of like doing it because in school I started with um, like repeating first grade because I had dyslexic and it was difficult and I wasn't one of the best and everything else. So art was always kind of what people said I could do <laughs> basically. So um, then it got better. Um, I spent a year in America, in Louisiana. And I found that school was a lot more fun there. Everything was kind of either sport or art, uh, it, it had sports or art involved. And um, I loved school over there. So I was like in the drama class doing the posters. I, you know, I wasn't acting, I was doing the posters for them. I, um, and my art teacher there was very encouraging. Um, so I think art has always been like, this kind of confident part in my life where I know, um, you know, I get, don't get criticized or I can't keep up. Or, <laughs> so it was always kind of, um, you know, something I enjoyed doing. And I guess because art is subjective, you know, you can't really, it's not one plus one, you know, it's either you like it or you don't, but <laughs> you know, it's, um, 
it doesn't have this wrong or right um, thing that um, other subjects have. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot more flexibility and like, I mean, going, yeah, there's a lot more flexibility. So wait, um, what, you said you're German? Is yeah. that the country you grew up in and then you went to school in Louisiana? Yeah, I am German. Um, so I grew up in near Hamburg. And um, I, I think in Germany it's quite common that um, lots of people do an exchange student year in the US. And um, I did one in um, Louisiana and then I came back. And I think once you come back from a country that you enjoy a lot more um, from this from the education perspective and also for I was swimming a lot more there and I was mm. getting a lot more getting better because we were swimming five times a week plus doing weights at the weekend and we doing competitions and uh, really because it's not like in Germany you go to school you come home at two and then if you do sports you have to do it in the evening mm. and it's your parents that have to drive you to the to your activity in America you just do it part of your school activity you choose what you want to do so it was a lot more fun um yeah so and when I came back I felt never really at home anymore in Hamburg I was I tasted something different <laughs> let's say like that and then um I I um, lived a while in London and then um when I met my husband we were like where do we live because he's uh lived in France but is English um British and then um we met in London and so we settled on France and yeah, been uh, in France for uh, since 2009, end of 2009, 2010. So almost 14 years now. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So France feels um, like home. Hmm? Does France feel like home? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I, I love France um, and um, I feel uh, very, very happy here in France. So. <laughs> But yeah, I, I totally understand what you mean about like, because you live in Amsterdam, right? So um, I live in, well, just outside of Utrecht. Yeah. Okay. So Holland then, um, yeah. or um, Netherlands. Yeah. 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 I mean, te technically Utrecht, like the province, the, the Dutch are very particular about what part of the country is called Holland, I've learned. Yeah, yeah, I know, that's right. We um, switched to Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, Holland. I don't Holland. know. Holland is over there, and there's North Holland and South Holland, and it's not here, you know? I, know. Um, I, I learned it wrong all my life. Um, yeah. I said Holland all my life, and then someone was like, well, actually, Holland is just this part over here. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very common, I think. Um, to learn it that way because i i did too and for a while i was like i didn't even i was like what's the difference between holland and the netherlands and like i asked people and nobody would know and then of course i moved here and learned all about it <laughs> um but i know i understand the feeling of like not quite feeling at home uh in your in your home country right like um and maybe part of it is because I have a german mom and a californian dad so i spent time in both and i always felt a little out of place in each you know like when i was in the us i was aware of um the german parts of me and then when i was in germany i'm aware of the uh, like california parts of me i hesitate to say american because california feels so different from other parts of the us <laughs> what do you mean definitely where about in germany was your mom from or is your mom from um i don't know if you know regen it's a it's a small town in bavaria not too far from munich Oh, it's not Regensburg. No, there's Regensburg and then there's also Regen. Okay, no, 
don't know. <laughs> They're all near each other. <laughs> it's always like I'm from the like north north part of Germany, so we always say like we don't know the rest of the country because we're like the northerners. <laughs> you know, I've noticed that in every country I visited, there's a cultural like north south divide. Totally, yeah. It's fascinating. And then globally, it seems like there's also kind of a north-south divide culturally. And I just, <laughs> even in tiny countries like the Netherlands, there's this little rivalry between north and south. And I'm like, how? But anyway, it, it makes me think of that uh, Bob Dylan quote, I was born like thousands of miles from where I'm meant to be. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. And, and I like it because you can always make home somewhere. Totally. Yeah, I think it's around, um, it's where you feel comfortable, kind of what the culture is, uh, how the habits are. Um, yeah, I, f I feel, um, yeah, I feel that a lot, especially when I come back on visits to Germany, I'm like, mm, not, not my home. <laughs> so, but then it's, it's funny because we, we have the British culture at home, um, because uh, English is the first language here and but we live in France and I'm German we I, I sometimes call myself European because we're so confused with what we actually you know where we belong mm -hmm. <laughs> I get that too <laughs> um well so now you live close to the beach growing up in Hamburg I assume you know the North Sea very cold but you were swimming a lot so like Baltic Sea as well, yeah. Yeah, the Baltic, yeah, yeah. So, like, what, what drew, what drew you to that inhospitable uh, love of the ocean? Then <laughs> so cold. I don't know. It's. I think. Um, so yeah, Hamburg is about uh, 40, 45 minutes away from the Baltic Sea. So we spent a lot of time there on the whenever it was warmer or in the summer. Um, but I guess I just um, my brother swam, so I was dragged to the swimming pool, <laughs> but I did enjoy it. And I, I guess uh, when you love swimming, you are just not scared of the ocean, right? You know, you can take a wave and you're not going to drown. So you have this confidence around water when, when you spend a lot of time in the water. And so whenever we were somewhere near an ocean or near water, I would just go in and have fun. And it's just, um, yeah, I, I guess it's this, um, you know, uh, there's no distraction when you are in the water and you swim you do your thing you have you're kind of in your own kind of bubble rather than when you play basketball and you're in a team you have to like watch out what the next person is doing for your next move and when you swim it's more like you concentrate on getting your technique right or how tired you are and I think there's um yeah maybe there's um, something in relation to like how yoga is a little bit you concentrate a little bit on what you do and I always feel like really safe when I'm swimming off because I've been doing it since little so long so often I just feel so confident and happy and just okay I go swimming it gives me my my hour or my two hour of peace you know <laughs> so totally it's like um I mean I, I've also done some team sports um and and then being in the water whether it's been surfing or just swimming or snorkeling or whatever. And it's, it feels so meditative. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's really, really nice. Um, but, but now I'm not close to the water. I'm in Paris, so I'm not just out of time of Paris. So it's, um, it's even longer mm -hmm. uh, to go up to Normandy. I think it's an hour and a half. And 
it's not the it's you know if it's sunny everybody is going there so it's not uh, it's crowded so to go to a real nice beach uh, it's about four and a half hours um so yeah wow <laughs> so, <it's not> <laughs> so that surfboard is decoration <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i I feel that way too. Like my surfboard is very much just decoration right now. Like I can't wait to give <clears throat> me um, when I go anywhere. I keep telling myself like, I'm going to go to Portugal soon. I'm going to go to Portugal soon. <laughs> Bring my surfboard. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is also that um, where we just went, Cornwall, you can rent a surfboard for like 10 pounds a day. So the, the, or in the South of France and the Arts as well, I think it was like 15 euros for a whole day. So the, the effort of bringing your own board on the TGV down there is not worth it if you can just like borrow one. That's true, yeah. I do love my board though. Oh my <laughs> God, it's like so perfect for me. Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, it's true. It's true that it, you could rent one and that's not the right one for you for the day and you kind of annoy them, but it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but so... I think it's kind of cool that you mentioned you always felt really confident in the water and you always felt really confident with art. And so it makes sense that they would combine into mm -hmm. your studio practice. Um, never thought about that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Analyze that well. <laughs> <laughs> well it, just, it just came out so nicely. I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I guess. Um, you and know. art is very meditative, and being in the water is very meditative. Yeah, I guess. Um, but I also think you have to have a bit of confidence in a way to um, follow your path, which at the beginning I didn't have, even though I um, I loved doing art and I loved the ocean and swimming and things didn't fall into place straight after university. I didn't go and say I'm an artist now. It was like really a journey that kind of fell into place because I first actually wanted to write children's books um, after university because I studied communication and illustration design. And um, I mean, I I love art, but sometimes I, I, I see other artists and I say, oh, they have a lot more talent just drawing something out of their head. I do have to look and see exactly what I'm drawing. It takes me a bit longer than somebody who just a sketch just from their head and it's just like this perfect sketch. So, <laughs> so I, I think I was a bit um, not so confident at the beginning to give uh, 100% artist life into my career. And when you study communication design, there's also this aspect of um, creating logos, web design, product design, package design. And um, one of my professors was just saying um, to me at the end, towards the end, um, if you want to go into illustration design and illustrate books, kind of get used to not making much money, if even, you know, kind of being on chômage, um, like being jobless uh, a lot. And he was, just, I think, my, I mean, like 20 years later i'm writing children's books and i know how little you make doing it so i think he wasn't trying to be disencouraging he was just trying to be honest about how tough it is to be a full-time illustrator mm -hmm. so i felt very scared because you know you kind of 
at university, I still, still lived with my parents. So I was just like, okay, if I go into a job and I'm not really finding a job, <laughs> I want to move out at some point. And um, so I kind of went for um, packaging design first um, and, and worked in packaging design. And I've done um, years and years of, um, of design in that field, um, working for big brands and then when I discovered plastic pollution in 2018, I'm not discovered plastic pollution, I knew about plastic pollution, but the extent of plastic pollution, I would say how bad it was. I felt more and more that um, I had to kind of change my path um, and move into a different direction where um, there's more awareness towards the environment and more um, good work happening, I would say, maybe <laughs> that's the right word. Um, so yeah, it wasn't immediate um, how everything kind of fell into place. And even when I started my journey, I didn't say, oh, now I'm an artist, now I'm doing this. It was just like step by step um, how it kind of came together. And now it's like six years later, I would say today, yes, I'm an artist, but uh, yeah, that took like lots of coincidence, lots of different people who kind of formed that journey, I would say. Yeah, I think that's really reflective of a lot of people's journey who are in the arts. Um, I mean, even to some extent, any other field, because what are the odds you're going to know exactly what you want to do right out of uni? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, you yeah. still have to fumble around a bit. And um, especially in the arts, it is it is very tough and it can be really competitive and um you know you want to dream big but you also need to be realistic and there's always that struggle of like balancing the paid jobs with the jobs that you really want to do that maybe don't pay as well um i mean i i completely understand that because i i went to art school and i've seen so many of my colleagues go through the same things um and ending up where you want to be and it really has a lot to do with community um and and network and sometimes like you said coincidence <laughs> coincidence yeah. yeah i think i i i always I, I work a lot with schools um and do awareness work and i always think it's really important to be transparent and honest about where you are in your journey how hard it is um you know, um, rather than, you know, pretending you're like amazing artists who has like amazing jobs. It's like if somebody asked me, I currently don't have a job or currently don't know what's coming next. And um, I think it's really important to have this transparency so others can see, okay, um, yeah, it's not just, you know, me who's struggling. I think if you share a struggle, I think it actually encourages others as well um, to to continue. Yeah, and, and that takes a lot of, like integrity, I think, because it's not it, that that amount of <laughs> honesty is is important, and it does create, I think, more of like open and honest relationships and more support amongst people, um, because you know they they know they can trust you because you're being honest and and genuine and not just in your art practice but in how you practice amongst other people like i think that's really valuable yeah and i think if you work with children um it's i think it's quite important to kind of explain to them how how things are or even when it comes to environmental issues you kind of be aware, but then you stay motivative or positive about things. And um, so they can learn 
um, and and feel inspired rather than you know either overwhelmed or <laughs> or scared and things like that. <laughs> what age groups do you work with? Um, so it depends. I um, I started writing like children's books in between job breaks because that's something I actually wanted to do ever since I stopped university. So when I was fed up with my job, um, <laughs> I started writing. And I started writing for very young children because at the beginning I wrote it for my own children and it, it had nothing to do with ocean. I mean, it, it was a penguin. It was a story about a penguin. <laughs> so it is ocean related, but it wasn't um, the ocean itself. Uh, and then um, that was like newborn to six years old, I would say. And it was it was just because we were living in France. We were British. I was German. So I just had like lots of stories. A lot, I think lots of young parents feel like motivated to write children's books for their own parents. I think that's something that's not so unusual. And then um, when my daughter was born, I decided I um, published them, um, self-published them. And um, so that's how um, Toby the Penguin started. And they were actually, um, they're still going quite quite nicely on, <laughs> and they have, they have always reviews coming in. So I think um, they're still helping other people to discover little stories. And then in 2018, I happened to go to the um, aquarium with my family where they were having a show on about plastic pollution. And um, it was kind of interesting because before they had always stories on um, like shows on that were funny. They had like Peppa Pig or Miraculous and they were never like ocean serious related. And um, that time it was and um, my daughter raised her hands to help the pirate to clean up the ocean and I wasn't so I was paying attention but not so much I would say I was distracted with my other daughter and then she raised her hands to help wanted to help the sea creatures to 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 have a clean healthy ocean and that kind of like ah oh, it, it grabbed my attention and um then we kind of um I don't know what it was but something happened that day that when I came home in the evening and I um, forgot to mention that I was actually writing a book about ocean life and um, it had nothing to do with plastic pollution, but that day at the aquarium kind of made me um, reflect my book. And I was like, um, so after Toby the Penguin, I switched to early concept books and I've written an ABC book and the next book was supposed to be a one to three book learning about numbers. And it was just ocean creatures and how many finger like octopus eight and mm -hmm. starfish five so it was just supposed to be very simple nothing to do with any um pollutants and that day kind of like i thought well there's that because i went home and researched and i saw all these pollutants and all these problems and i i thought to myself it's silly writing a book that has no message really and it's so important that that um because i felt that evening that i only knew maybe 60% of the problem. And when I started researching as whole, the beaches was plastic, plastic pollution. I went into microfibers. I was just in a new world. And then <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I'm so much part of this because, you know, when you wash your clothes, when you go shopping, how you, the, the whole awareness and the whole behavior. And I just felt there wasn't enough education in terms of making people aware on a daily basis. Okay, there is a big problem and you can actually do something about it. So yeah, that day um, there was a picture of Justin Hoffman's um, 
seahorse who find a um, cotton bud. That's a quite famous picture. It's it's not an art picture. It's a documentary picture that um, I thought, oh gosh, um, the sea creatures don't have a choice anymore. They're surrounded by our trash and everywhere they go is just like trash and it's their habitat. So we are destroying their habitat. And that's really how one, two, three, who's cleaning the sea came the idea of, okay, the, the animals are surrounded by trash and they are starting to clean up and then they motivate the children to help them. So together they have at the end cleaned up everything. And I, I, I think sometimes when you have children, you know, you kind of like, when you tell them something, it doesn't work, but when you start and then they can join in and then you do it together, they still done something good, but it's not this kind of authority. Now you do it. I'm not doing it. So you kind of do it together. <laughs> and this is, this is the idea um, of the book. And um, when I first went into class with it, um, I started with young children again. Um, it was a year from year one to year six. So, which is like from, from four to five until 11, I would say I've done the book with lots of kids uh, in that age. It, it does really work because they they feel really motivated afterwards to 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 help. And it's a bit it's a bit the idea um, how it was in the aquarium. The, the pirate asked the kids to help. They were motivated to help. And at the end, everybody was motivated. And I think how because I didn't have that experience with the children myself. When I read Tovi in class, it wasn't like, come on, join in. So I saw how this situation really works. And it gave me the idea how to write this book and which kind of style, you know, to, to, to motivate. And then the images um, of um, famous wildlife photographers who have documented, documented um, plastic pollution gave me the first idea of the sea creature being surrounded by it. And then that that all came together. So um, so that book is quite young, I would say, until um, until there's um, until uh, year six, and then um, there are two more books. Um, they are a bit more older, and um, I have one coming out next week, which is I would say a bit more older as well. Um, so which is about um, you can see it. Oh it's yeah, green and blue planet, ocean, me and you. So it's about climate change and um, our ocean. What kind of part of place in, but um, everything else that is connected is basically climate change is issues explained very broken down. So parents can introduce the issues um, to children without making them feel um, overwhelmed and there's no hope or just like explaining how everything plays their part. Um, but that I would say is a bit older that I would say is um, starting more or less with year six because Year six inspired me two years ago to write this book. They are now in year eight. So mm -hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them um, yeah, the book uh, next week to see if they um, to, to give them back basically what they gave me as inspiration. <laughs> so. That is so sweet. <laughs> um, I, I love that so much. It, it makes me so happy to see like these ripple effects right? Like you were at the aquarium one day and, and it touched you. And now you're writing these books, which are going to touch so many more people. And I find that really encouraging and inspiring. Yeah, um, you never know whose heart you touch with something you do. Yeah. And especially um, with art uh, or with educational outreach, uh, you, you, you don't always get a response 
Mm. You know, like sometimes you don't know the result of what you did. It's not very tangible. Um, and this is, this is a very great example of that. Like I'm who the pirate who was at the aquarium may not know, maybe they're listening now and they do know, and they're very excited, but, <laughs> but you know, it's, mm. it's really fantastic. Yeah. And there's so much like controversials about aquariums in the first place, you know, and I agree, um, you know, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, they made me into an artivist and, um, they are doing educational work. Um, so it's always the question, do we sacrifice a few creatures to have a bigger support and protection? But I do agree, big animals, um, sea creatures, uh, mammals should never be in an aquarium. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think we're on the same page about that one. I mean, yeah. I certainly think that some aquariums, like you can't, I think you can do an aquarium well provided you're being very conscious of which species are being kept in the aquarium. Yeah. Um, Cause some, some do well and it's fine and others do not. Yeah. And I, I went to the one in Biarritz and it's like the first two etages um, levels don't have even have live animals. They have like um, pictures and sculptures and um, history of um, fisheries. And, um, and I thought it was really interesting that anyway, you know, so um, <laughs> So yeah, you can do it without having having lots of creatures. <laughs> yeah, of course. I actually recently saw online, um, there's even, it's not an aquarium, it's it's a circus, which of course, you know, animals and circuses is pretty much just purely frowned upon now. But there's a circus in Germany doing um, holograms of animals. Mm -hmm. And it's got, um, like, everyone loves it. And of course, you know, because they're holograms, they can be like larger than life. And there's like, you know, huge elephants and whales swimming around the crowd because you can you can make it super magical because they're mm -hmm. it's just light, you know. Right. And, um, and it's it's still inspiring and and yeah. a great show. Um, so there are, you know, usually people start to think of these things as like kind of all or nothing or like you know and it, it doesn't always have to be all or nothing there's in-betweens and alternatives and, <laughs> That's and all of that. yeah um so would you say that your children's books i mean i know it's hard to pick a favorite project per se <laughs> but they definitely sound very close to your heart um what what other projects have you done in the past that you've been like really excited about yeah I, so you're right the books are very close to my heart and I, I think without the books I wouldn't be um where I am today because um the books you know I started coming from the packaging world a world that wasn't really you know sustainable <laughs> going into going into the ocean world with a book that is raising um, awareness of plastic pollution and so what do you do when you feel like you want to play your part you contact other people on um, Instagram or on social media and first of all they want to know who you are what you've done who you worked with so you know your credibility and you're like mm, uh, <laughs> nothing <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I mean but you have to start somehow and what mm -hmm. happened was when um so one of the teachers I'm friends with um 
said, why don't you come to class and read one, two, three, who's cleaning the city in class? It's amazing. We're doing environmental stuff uh, at the moment anyway, and that would like perfectly fit in. And I had experience in classes with my books, one with the Tovi books. So I felt completely comfortable coming into school. And what he didn't tell me was that it was a school assembly. So at that time, the school had, I think, 450 kids and they were all in the school assembly. And he like said, well, <laughs> Go ahead. Surprise! <laughs> the first time I was standing like um, in so many kids reading my book. And what happened that day was that they all came to me afterwards and asked me lots of questions. And I mean, they were logical questions, you know, how you, sustainable wise and, you know, nothing you had to be an expert in, you know, it's just so better choices. Um, how you <clears throat> protect our planet by making better choices and live more sustainable. But they were so excited. I mean, I thought they thought I was a famous author, and you know, they were just like coming, and they they and they were excited about the subject, and and they really enjoyed it. And so the the teachers were asking me if I could come into classroom again um, to give more um, to tell them more about plastic pollution. So as I said, I wasn't an expert of plastic pollution. I I, I put the facts together. I wrote some thing about it that I thought would motivate other kids. But when it comes to comes to science and how everything breaks down and what it's made of. <clears throat> so I basically sat down and um, researched all these informations to put um, together a um, presentation about plastic pollution that I could talk to the children about for 30 minutes about, you know, how is plastic made? Why doesn't it biodegrade? Um, what type of plastics are there? Um, how, which recycling system in which countries where the problems? So it's something that I basically learned by just researching. And then I went into classroom and um, it went really well that I kept being asked by other teachers to come into their <laughs> classes. So I've been doing basically my tour through the through the kids and that's been six years ago. And now um, it's not my job to do that, but they, the, the schools uh, keep asking me if I could come in for environmental um, issues. So last year I gave a speech about um, overfishing and meat consumption, so climate change. So every time I'm, I have to do my my time, my research, putting mm -hmm. things because nobody's teaching me except for myself and getting getting things together. But um, no, that's been I think one of my biggest projects. I'm proud of because I think the kids kind of have saved my artivism life <laughs> because. <clears throat> they gave me the motivation to continue. They loved what I was doing. They wanted to know more. And I think if I hadn't had that and I was just trying to make connections, um, it would have been very hard because I felt a lot of people didn't want to collaborate with me or work with me because I just hadn't enough credibility or hadn't enough um, done enough yet. And I think that's very hard when you start. And um, I was lucky with two beach cleaners that helped me a lot at the beginning. And they are really good friends now. And I think the mentality that beach cleaners have is we need everybody on board because we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> and, and that's something I think um, maybe not everybody has. Lots of people kind of want to do their thing or want to feed their own um, conservational um, organization. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, um, I think that's something I, I thought was hard. And then... Um, I was lucky enough that I um, came across an organization called the Marine Diaries, 
on um on instagram and there was a social media i think it always depends on the social media girl and who she puts you in touch with and how interested she is in getting to know um your work and she was telling me that there was um, a takeover you could do on um, the marine diaries so you can just take over the account and post and that was like my first experience with the ocean community and that was really positive and then I got into touch with the director of the Marine Diaries, who is now a good friend of mine, um, so Rebecca Daniel, and she was working on a project that was called the Marine Diaries Eco Pro Eco Project uh, Ecosystem Project, and she asked me if I was willing to illustrate one of the ecosystems um, for free as an educational project where they can give posters to schools with educational information. And as that was very close to my heart, given the school visits I've done, I was very um, excited to be part of that. And um, so I created the mangrove um, illustration, plus I did the um, graphic design work of putting all the posters together. And I would say um, that that project changed my life, how it is today, because um, the mangrove kind of started opening a lot of doors because of its own kind of journey it, it's done. And it was like a free uh, educational voluntary project I agreed to. And then I um, there was another organization called um, Explorers Against Extinction, which every year um, asked for donations of artwork. So I sent, I asked, um, I asked Rebecca if it was okay if I donated the artwork to a different course as well. She said, yes, no problem. So I gave it to them as well. Um, and then, which uh, parallel, I didn't know what was happening was they had applied for a exhibition space at COP26 and they got it, but they didn't know if they would get it or not. Uh, they were really lucky to get it. And then um, from the thousand entries they had, they selected five to be in the blue zone where the presidents and all the important people come in and out. And um, one of these five images um, was the mangrove and um, I didn't know anything about it until um, the day COP26 um, happened and I didn't have any pictures or anything about it because it was such a secure zone. So I, <laughs> I the I, irony, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was like, oh, my God, my illustration is at COP26. So they were saying, you can't only, see it. <laughs> I can't see it. And they were like saying, the only thing you can do is you can try to Google it uh, on Twitter. So I went on Twitter and put in blue zone um, um, uh, leader launch. Um, and the first image that came up um, that I found on Twitter was Angela Merkel, like I'm German, Angela Merkel in front of, in front of my illustration. And I was, oh, so I was cool. about to have a heart attack. I was like, oh my God, it's the first time I saw it. And then with uh, our Bundeskanzler at that time still, it was just like, oh my God, what's happening? So that was, that was crazy. And um, I think once you have a great exhibition like this, it opens other doors. So people were more interested in me because I had a run there and then I got other um, exhibitions on like that level. Um, and um, yeah, and then I exhibited, did an exhibition with Change Now uh, in in May um, the following year. And after I, I did, um, I had my images that changed now it political asked me if I wanted to, you know, it's, I think it's like, it goes, they said they saw it on LinkedIn, um, they're doing a sustainable summit. Um, 
they would love for me to be there. And, you know, I think that only happens because you kind of climbed up the ladder somehow and people seem to be more interested at some point, you know what I mean? But then again, it's for me, it's, um, as I said, it started with the children who gave me that um, motivation. So it's always uh, going to be my my favorite project. <laughs> that is such a fantastic story. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I would freak out too if Angela Miracle was standing in front of my artwork. Um, I, I mean, you hit on some really important points that I want to highlight for anyone who's listening that is an artist or wants to do artivism. Um, which is art activism combined, for, for those of you that don't know. Um, <laughs> if, if you've just heard that word for the first time. Um, but it it really does, it takes time. Yeah. It takes time to build to build your, your CV, your reputation, um, and don't let that be discouraging, you know? Like, keep at it. You know, the whole, like, follow your dreams thing, but also, like, have a plan to eat food um, <laughs> and as much as artists dislike it and i do think artists should always be paid fairly for their work i do have a bachelor's in painting so i feel very strongly about it um but you know sometimes no matter what industry you're in if it's slow it is good to do you know pro bono work sometimes because at least you're still working at least you're keeping your creative juices flowing and you're building that reputation still um and as much as you know doing art for exposure can feel frustrating and how exposure doesn't pay the bills um no, definitely it, not. yeah it can still have amazing results in the long run and you just have to be selective and you know your selection could not have turned out any better <laughs> It was funny because nowadays when people kind of contact me and say, oh, could we have that for free or could we have that for free? I sometimes uh, be like, oh, you know, it took a long time to do that, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think with the Marine Diaries, I never crossed my mind that it was paid or not paid because, um, because they kind of... I felt like they were a friend and they helped me when I first stepped my foot into the ocean world by saying I could, you know, collaborate and, and they posted a lot of my work. So I always felt like, I don't know, I'm one of these people that if you give something to me, I feel like for at least six or a year or six months or a year, I feel like I have to give back to you. You know, I have to somehow give you contacts back or, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to, 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 to give back. So when they asked me, I was just like, yes, of course, I no problem. I mean, I didn't even ask if they, um, if that could be paid. And I think, um, you know, constantly being asked, if you could volunteer or if you could give that for free can be very annoying, you know, especially when you don't have enough paid work. But I think it also depends what kind of relationship you have to the person that mm -hmm. is asking and what it is for, you know, if it's for their yeah. own kind of good and um, only, you know, to become more popular on Instagram or something like that. I'm, I feel like, yeah, I mean, wouldn't we all, you know, but if it's, <laughs> if it's like, if it's like for educational purposes and for proper school um, education, you know, there where resources are missing, then I don't really think twice about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I 100% I agree. It's, um, you know, that's the selectivity of where am I going to give 
give it away for free and you know then like who who really should be paying for it um yeah i 100 agree and it, it's a lot about creating those the the relationship yeah totally you know like the, there are people of course that if they asked me for something or some help or like whatever and whether it's in the art world or something else um i wouldn't think twice about saying yes no yeah <laughs> you it, know it really but, depends yeah yeah it just relationships it, and collaborations with the people you already have a relationship with is so much nicer anyway you know because you know um their cause and you know who they are doing it for you know and um so it makes a lot of difference <laughs> yeah yeah that is really that is really beautiful um well i want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story i hope that other people have been inspired by you um and i definitely want to include a link to where people can buy your books in the show notes. Um, I'm not getting a cut of that. If anyone's wondering, it's just, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's um, just for fun. Cause the books, I saw a cover and it looked really great. Um, but I mean, I feel like people should have them and support the kind of work that you do. Um, oh, thank you. It's very kind of you. <laughs> and there's also, I put, um, I put a lot of projects I support on my website. There's the marine ecosystem posters, uh, educational posters are on there as well. If somebody from like a teacher or anyone who works with schools listens. And um, there's a lot of things that I um, posted over the years on Instagram that is just raising awareness and just like sharing anything um, that could help a cause um, would be great because at the moment, I don't know when this is coming out, but at the moment, um, Fishery February is coming up, for example, and I'm a ambassador and that's something I love giving solutions. And um, that's something I do as well. I, I tell um, the kids after I tell them a few problems, I also tell them, and now you can actually do something you can start with something that is not overwhelming you know we're not going to start with being vegan you know we, <laughs> we're going to start with um maybe trying to eat um, no fish for months and then better solutions you know it's always about doing little steps steps and not going from there to never using plastic again or there or never you know it's just people feel like disconnected when you just ask them too much yeah well and it is it is really i mean especially for children who like don't necessarily get to make all of their own decisions, you know, yeah. like it, it, um, but even as adults, like there are certain decisions we don't get to make because we live in an imperfect system. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like trying to not buy anything in plastic in the grocery store is insanely challenging. <laughs> I, I, I've personally given up because um, as a mother with the kids only eating that or that, you know, trying to buy that. Yeah. You, you, you need to pick your battles of being environmentally friendly and then like fight for the ones that you can't pick in a different way yeah yeah to totally um but yeah thank you so much and i will be sure that this comes out at the end of february before or the end of january before february <laughs> but i mean it's just a motivation you can do it whenever you feel like um, doing little steps but yeah thank you so much for inviting me it's been um, inspiring also to hear a few points how you feel about surfing and art <laughs> <laughs> i try to keep it fun you know <laughs> no but thank you so much and um, keep creating art same goes <laughs>